Hello, and welcome to So Five Minutes Ago, the podcast where we talk about the best teen suicide note forgeries of the 80s. We're your host, Kate. And Shannon. I can't believe we're already at our penultimate episode for the season. Holy cow. We only have one more after this. How, That's so crazy. How it's have we so done fast. this? I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listeners, next week will be our season one finale. Uh, we're going to take some time off for the busy holiday season so thank you so much for joining us and listening through season one. Oh my gosh it's been really fun actually it like <laughs> interacting with everybody and it's we love hearing all your thoughts and opinions on everything the pretty and pink dress etc <laughs> been really good um yeah we've had so much fun doing this podcast but okay so a little behind the scenes it takes a ton of work to produce these episodes <laughs> Each episode includes multiple hours of research and notes and pulling clips and visuals and recording and editing <laughs> and sound mixing. I think most podcasts have sound engineers who do all this background work, but Shannon and I do everything for the show top to bottom, mm. like mm-hmm. fully. It's fun, but it's a ton of time and energy. <laughs> so if you've enjoyed the show up to this point and would like to hear a season two of this podcast, you can help us in a couple ways that cost you absolutely nothing. One, you can tell someone about our show because the more listeners we get, the more sponsorship opportunities we get, which means that we can make a little money and that enables us to bring you more content. So tell a friend, tell a family member, post about us on all the social mediums, uh, spread the word about so five minutes ago. And then the second way is just to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Um, This gets more eyes on our show and it grows our audience. So that helps us out. Um, That's it. (laughs) We thought about doing a Patreon, but we decided that we'd rather keep the content free so that it can reach more people. Um, I don't know. I... I'm I'm all for Patreons. Like I've yeah. I've totally donated to them for podcasts if I love the podcast. But I also for like personally, I just feel uncomfortable taking money for a yeah. hobby that I decided to do. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little on par with like when your coworker has a baby shower and invites you and you don't know them really well. And you're like, I have to shell out $50 of my money for this baby that you decided to have. I don't know. I know $50? that I have. What kind of showers are you going to? Dude, the last time I went to a baby shower, which was the last time that I went to a baby shower. Cause I was like nerds to this. I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> it was like, yeah, I looked up like what's average for people to spend $50. For like wow. diapers, clothes, everything. And I was just like, I do not know this child. And I'm not going yeah. to know this child. That's crazy. I would spend that on a family member, but not on a friend probably. And definitely not on a coworker. That's no. crazy. No, I don't I don't think I spent the $50 for the baby shower. But like, yeah. that's kind of how this feels. It's like, you decided yeah. to have a baby and now <laughs> I have to pay for it. So anyway. All right. Enough pandering for your affections. Let's get on with this episode. Today, we are discussing the most listener-requested movie, 1989's Heathers. All right, as always, before we dive in, let's do a little behind-the-scenes Heathers trivia. This movie was filmed in only 32 days during the summer of 1988 around Los Angeles Studio City in San Fernando, or the San Fernando Valley. That's crazy. (laughs) It is. Yeah. That's ambitious. I don't think I could do anything on that scale in 32 days with all the, like, just everything the locations like mm-hmm. makeup the costume. they had to build yeah that's crazy Dan- daniel waters who wrote the script originally wanted stanley kubrick to direct the film <laughs> could you imagine uh, yeah kinda i kinda could too but that would be amazing yeah. 
Um, okay, actors considered for the role of JD, who is Christian Slater's character, included Brad Pitt, Jim Carrey, Johnny Depp, mm-hmm. Judd Nelson, and Jason Bateman. I could see any of them in that role. Uh, Jim Carrey seems like a weird choice to me. Judd Nelson, too. Really? Yeah, kind of. I can see I think- Johnny Depp, Moody, you know. Yes. I think Judd Nelson would be a little too old for it, uh-huh. maybe, at this point. Yeah. Um, I think Jim Carrey would have been interesting because I don't think he would have been as like wacky as yeah. he was by Ace Ventura. But um, yeah, those were interesting. It's also really uh, in all the movies that we've covered in this season, how many times Jim Carrey was up for I roles know. that you wouldn't expect. And then that he didn't really hit it big until what, like yeah. in Living Color Ace Ventura yeah. era. It's like, dang, he was he was out there for a bit. He's out there, yeah. <laughs> Um, Heather Graham was offered the role of Heather McNamara, but her parents wouldn't let her do it because of how dark the movie is. The, Ooh, yeah, sucks. <laughs> the content of the movie. And then Jennifer Connelly was offered the role of Veronica, but turned it down. Oh, that Which, would have been cool. Yeah. Uh, Christian Slater has said that his performance was heavily influenced by Jack Nicholson, which is like really hard to tell. <laughs> oh, just kidding. <laughs> He's totally doing a bad Nicholson impression throughout this entire movie. Yeah. And then like for the rest of his career. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, but it had to be said. <laughs> True. Uh, all right. Let's get into it. Okay. So we open on a scene of three rich 80s socialite girls strolling through the gardens of what appear to be sprawling grounds while Kay Seurat Seurat plays over the scene. They're carrying croquet mallets and approach three croquet balls that match their respective color-coded outfits. And I love this detail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's such a fun little thing to see at the beginning of the movie. Um, okay, these are the Heathers. They are played by Lizanne Falk, Kim Walker, and Shannon Doherty before her 90210 fame. Okay, since this is going to be hard to tell the Heathers apart without visual reference, I'm going to refer to them by their wardrobe color themes. <laughs> so <laughs> red Heather is Kim Walker, yellow Heather is Lizanne Falk, and green Heather is Shannon Doherty. So red going Heather, forward. yellow Heather. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> I know. I thought that every time I wrote that, I was like, red Heather, <laughs> yellow Heather. Um, okay, so red Heather kisses her croquet ball, and then she hits it, and we see that it knocks into a young woman's head sticking out of the ground, and this girl is Veronica, and she is also Winona Ryder. Okay, quick sidebar. Mm-hmm. I've always wondered this. Um, do you think that this is just a visual metaphor for the viewers, like all that Ally McBeal crap, you know, the, where only the narrator and the viewers can see what the narrator is thinking mm-hmm. or did the Heather's legit bury Veronica up to her neck and sod <laughs> and then smack balls at her? <laughs> I think that this, I think it's the former. I think okay. this is, that's always been my impression when I've seen the few times that I've seen this is that it's kind of to set like a, like a surreal scene yeah. like up top that it's like, this movie's going to have kind of like surrealism elements okay. and stuff. I that's think I just, saw it at at such a young age that it's hard when you're that young it's hard to tell (laughs) you know what's metaphorical license and what's supposed to be real life and so that has just stuck with me all these years totally especially this early in the movie and as and it it introduces her so it like when the camera just swings around and you just see her you're like oh what (laughs) is happening (laughs) yeah so I think that's a fair question Okay, so next we're in the halls of high school. Veronica is sitting on the stairs in her very blue tights, scribbling in her journal in giant handwriting, Mm -hmm. which is not very economical for such a small journal, (laughs) (laughs) when she's approached by yellow Heather and green Heather. 
They tell her that Red Heather has summoned her to the calf pronto to ask her something. Then Red Heather, in her enormous shoulder pads. Thank you for clocking that. <laughs> this reveal is hilarious because yeah. her back is to the camera and she turns around and it's like, whoa, like her shoulder pads. It looks are like so... she has a two by four under there. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> like she's a space villain. Like it just like yeah. floats around and you're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> So shoulder pads, white tights, and knee-length red culottes have a favor to ask Veronica. Veronica, finally. I got a note of Kurt Kelly's. I need you to forge a hot and horny but realistically low-key note in Kurt's handwriting, and we'll slip it onto Martha Dumpchuck's lunch tray. Shit, Heather, I don't have anything against Martha Dunstock. You don't have anything for her either. Come on, it'll be very. The note will give her... Shower nozzle masturbation material for weeks. Uh, some basic yeah. mean girl business. All right, so we see Martha, who is a bigger girl with a bad perm and a sweatshirt that is probably supposed to be dorky, but that I am super into and would wear today. <laughs> it looks so cute. It's like, it's pink, and then it has, I don't know, little, like, scenes <laughs> painted on it. <laughs> I'm into it. Uh, while Green Heather bends over and turns into a makeshift table, even though they're in a cafeteria yeah. surrounded by tables and all holding books that could double as writing surfaces, <laughs> <laughs> I think this is to display that like Green mm-hmm. Heather's a you know a yes man. <laughs> yeah, she's a sycophant. Uh, Veronica writes this fake note on a piece of yellow legal paper. We pan around the cafeteria and we see a young man watching the girls. More on him later, and then a table full of jock bros crudely talking about the girls. Yellow Heather takes the yellow paper and sneaks it onto Martha's lunch tray. The Heathers take their seats at a lunch table, and it's time for the lunchtime poll! Red Heather grabs the notepad and starts writing. Then she gets up from the table, and Veronica follows, and Mysterious Boy continues watching them from across the cafeteria. When Veronica makes eye contact with him, she runs right into a girl. This girl is Betty Finn, and she's wearing glasses, so you just know that she's a total nerd. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Veronica very nicely apologizes for missing Betty's birthday. Uh, And then Betty says that it's okay and pulls out a picture of them or a picture that she found of them as kids dressed up for Halloween. But then Red Heather has no time for childhood friends that have gone their separate ways. So she tugs at Veronica and is like, "Ugh, let's go. (laughs) Poor Betty. She's so nice. I know. (laughs) So uh veronica and red or red heather walk up to a table of teens who are all like oh crap when they see them approaching (laughs) red heather drops the lunchtime poll on them now check this out you win five million dollars from the publisher sweepstakes and the same day that that big egg guy gives you the check aliens land on the earth and say they're gonna blow up the world in two days what do you do that's easy i just slide that wad over to my father because he is like one of the top brokers in the state. If I got that money, I'd give it all to the homeless. Every cent. Oh, privileged teens. <laughs> Veronica is disgusted and wonders why they always have to talk to the rich a-hole kids. Red Heather says that if she was out here for charity, she would talk to the geek table and that she's worshipped at this school because everyone either wants to be friends with her or have sex with her. And she's only a junior. And she has some of the lowest self-esteem ever. Yeah. <laughs> like those are her standards for success. Yeah. It's like, no, 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 Whoops. no. <laughs> uh, 
Then we get a montage of Red Heather and Veronica taking their poll to all the, quote, non-popular groups, including geeks and burnouts and punks and jocks, and we see all their answers. Meanwhile, Martha has discovered her lunch tray note. The Heathers and Veronica watch as she walks over to the jock that she thinks wrote it. The whole jock table bursts out laughing and Martha mm. runs away. I know. This is so horrible. Sad. <laughs> so sad. Uh, the Heathers are delighted. Mystery Boy is disappointed. And Veronica is disgusted. Red Heather tells her that she needs to lighten up. Next door with the Heathers and Veronica in the girls' bathroom. Green Heather asks for Veronica's help in the bathroom stall. Red Heather teases her about being bulimic. Cool. That's cool. (laughs) The girls return to the cafeteria where Veronica immediately locks eyes with Mystery Boy again. His name is Jason Dean, and he is played by Christian Slater. Veronica walks over to him and introduces herself. She reads the poll question to him. He says, it's the stupidest question that he's ever heard. And then he gives this response. I don't know, probably row out to the middle of a lake somewhere, bring along a bottle of tequila, my sacks, and uh, some Bach. Uh, Because he's that guy. (laughs) (laughs) He's wearing a trench coat and says greetings and salutations when he meets Veronica. We we all knew this guy in high school. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like... He probably has a very obnoxious affect, like carrying a pocket watch or (laughs) pretending that on the road didn't suck, even though it totally did, and referring to the theater as the cinema. Like, he is interesting. (laughs) Uh. He also mentions that he would take his sax to the middle of the lake. So, oh, good. Another saxophone player. Uh, There's one in every movie. Uh (laughs) I know, imagine seeing this a-hole, like, playing a saxophone in the middle of the lake if you're a fisherman. Like, if, yeah. you, if it's like, imagine being one of our dads <laughs> and seeing this butthole kid in the middle, like, being like, I'm a poet. And you're like, that go away. That would be one away. of my dad's favorite stories to tell. <laughs> he would tell everyone he knew. <laughs> ah, oh, my gosh. The jocks walk over to JD and spit some very homophobic garbage in his face. So JD stands up, pulls out a gun, aims it at them, and fires two shots. Oh, goodbye forever, Jason Dean. Huh, JK, the 80s was totally cool with guns in school. Right? This, <laughs> yeah, this plays very differently today. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, watching it through today's eyes, you're like, oh, geez. Yeah. So we cut to the Heathers and Veronica playing croquet in the yard again. They're laughing and discussing how Jason used a real gun, but he only used blanks, so he'll probably just get suspended. Like, Yikes. wow. Wow. (laughs) Also, he basically fired those blanks at point blank range at the jock's faces, Mm -hmm. which I feel would still cause some sort of damage. Like, blown out eardrums, if nothing else. Yeah. Or like powder burns. I don't know. And also PTSD for everyone that was in the cafeteria at the Uh time. (laughs) No kidding. Red Heather says that she thought Veronica gave up on high school boys and that she'll have a chance to redeem herself at tonight's university party. Veronica's parents come out onto their veranda with blue striped curtains as the Heathers take off. They ask if she has any potential prom dates. Veronica mentions a dark horse in the running, hinting at JD. And then she says she's got a motor if she wants to get to this party. All right. So next we see Veronica and her party look going into a snappy snack shack convenience store to grab pregame party snacks for her and Red Heather, who requests barbecue corn nuts. (laughs) 
So I guess she wants like the worst breath possible when she's making out with some guy's face at this party that she's about to go to. It's such a weird snack choice for for a child. Like what kid, what teenager eats corn nuts? So weird. But also, um, Veronica's party look is so good. Mm -hmm. I would wear this for sure today, but then later she ruins it by putting this huge ill-fitting blazer that goes past her thighs. (laughs) So weird. It was... It was a time. It was a time for I guess huge but, ill-fitting blazers. <laughs> yeah, but the dress is so cute. It's like this bodycon, black like pencil. Ugh, I don't know suspenders number. Yeah, and then she's wearing like an off-the-shoulder sweater underneath it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. Love it. Inside, Veronica runs into Jason. He makes sure to lay a thick layer of mystique on by telling Veronica that he's moved around a lot. She flirtily eats a red vine and asks him to buy her a slushie. Outside, we learn that this walking bad boy cliche also smokes and drives a motorcycle hmm. and that he's the prince of the Big Bud Dean construction dynasty. Then Veronica makes this confession. No, my life's not perfect. I don't really like my friends. Yeah, I, uh, I don't really like your friends either. It's just like... There are people I work with, and our job is being popular and shit. (laughs) Maybe it's time to take a vacation. Okay, so next we are at the Remington University party. Red Heather and Veronica wind their way through a wood-paneled dorm into a room where two college guys, one of which looks for real 40 years old. (laughs) I know. I know how I am. I know that every time I'm like, this teen looks so old, but this guy, am I wrong, looks like your dad's friend like yeah he had to be like an ra or something yeah the one in the hawaiian shirt he yeah or like the house father for the fraternity (laughs) (laughs) so these guys ask the girls to throw their coats on the floor gross yeah well but that's where veronica's blazer belongs for real (laughs) (laughs) i hate it Oh, but I'm just thinking of like a dorm floor. Uh-huh. Oh, just burn that coat. Don't ever wear it again. <laughs> yeah. Ew, 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 ew. Veronica gets progressively more drunk while she endures flirting from the 40-year-old frat guy. And when he tries to sleep with her, she says that she has a speech prepared for guys like him. And then he says, save the speeches for Malcolm X. I just want to get laid. Yikes and gross. <laughs> she meets back up with Red Heather in the hallway. Heather says the 40-year-old softball dad says Veronica is being a real coos. <laughs> and then Veronica boots up her beer all over the floor. Okay, do you know what the word coos means? Like, I know you know what it means, but do you know what, like, the origin of it is? <laughs> no, I just knew that it was, like, Italian, right? Okay, I don't know. I looked it up online because I was like, I know it means that a girl's being, like, a crotch. Like, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. it's kind of used as, like, vagina. Like, it's just she's being... Okay, so... According to Urban Dictionary, it's coos because <laughs> a coos is short for a koozie, which is a vagina that fits, uh, <laughs> like, it fits real well for sex, like a beer koozie. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I never knew that. So there you go. We've all learned something today. <laughs> Outside, Heather tells Veronica that she was nothing before she met her and that she is the one who made her popular. I got you into a Remington party. What's my thanks? It's on the hallway carpet. I got paid in puke. 
Lick it up, baby. Lick it up. Literally a sick burn. (laughs) (laughs) I give Winona Ryder credit for delivering that line as well as she did, because it's not great writing, but... No. Like, if you read that on the page, you'd be like, I have to say, lick it up, baby, lick it up. Uh (laughs) Yeah, I, I never liked that line, but you're right. She goes for it. Yeah, her delivery is like as good as it can be for that line. Heather tells Veronica that she better transfer to another school. Uh, Okay, so this whole party scene is interspersed with shots of Veronica in her bedroom that night, feverishly writing in her diary and narrating in voiceover that she needs to kill Heather to rid the world of her and can't believe that she threw away her friendship with Betty Finn to hang out with a bunch of Diet Coke heads like the Heathers. Also, she's wearing a monocle while she writes. A monocle. So she's calling other people out for being assholes while wearing a monocle. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, talk about affectations. This is the most egregious one I've ever seen. Yep. She and JD are perfect for each other. I know. And I <laughs> I get why. Like, I, I get why her character does. But in real life, it's like, my gosh, would that mess up your depth perception? <laughs> That'd make yeah. writing a nightmare. Like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Uh, like we have bifocals now stop it (laughs) stop it with the monocle um but yes you're right veronica chucks her diary in anger and then sees jd climbing into her bedroom window he says that he saw the croquet set set up in the back and asks if she wants (laughs) or she's up for a match uh out in the yard we see underwear strewn across the croquet mallets jason and veronica are naked and entangled under what i think is jason's giant trench coat duster yeah, because it's basically like a queen size bedspread. It's it, so big. It really is. <laughs> it's so wide. Yeah. Uh, Veronica exposits that she was supposed to be skipped ahead in school, but she wasn't. And now she's wasting her IQ on partying and choosing lip gloss. JD says Red Heather should die. Veronica says it wouldn't solve anything, but she would like to see her puke her guts out. The next morning, we see Veronica and Jason sneaking into the house that we can only assume is Red Heather's because all the decor and the kitchen accessories are red. Mm. I really, really love how far the production design goes with the color coding of each Heather. Oh, yeah. Like, it's such a smart visual choice to distinguish them, but it's also such a fun detail once you notice it because then you see it all over the place. Yeah. And it's almost like even though they all get their own color, which sort of gives them their own personality... Mm-hmm. They're also just, it's also just bland, like, <laughs> yeah. oh, this one's just all red, and this one's just all blue, and so there's really not much more depth to them than that. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's just like, oh, red is my personality. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Veronica says that they should craft a hangover cure with a high upchuck factor, like milk mixed with orange juice or soup in a Coke can. <laughs> oh, God. Soup and a Coke can's a really good idea. Um, Jason pulls out a bottle of Hall Clean Rust Remover with a big danger poison sticker on the front. <laughs> Veronica says, don't be a dick. That stuff could kill her. He pours some of the toxic blue liquid into a mug with a lid, and then she mixes milk and orange juice in a separate mug. They both try to hawk up a, or try to hawk up a loogie into it with no success. That scene was funny. <laughs> they're just both trying to like clear their throats, and they're like, I got nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Then they start making out, and oh no, Veronica accidentally grabs the mug with a poison liquid inside, because it has a lid on on top. Jason notices, but he lets her go ahead with it and doesn't say anything. In her room, Red Heather is sleeping in the most uncomfortable robe imaginable. My gosh. (laughs) 
It's thick brocade, double-breasted satin, um, like this robe with buttons on the front, which is got to be super comfortable to sleep in and perfect when yeah. you're hungover and nauseous. Yeah. <laughs> she looks like a child queen. Uh-huh. It's so weird. <laughs> Yeah, I just think I'm thinking of this like really unrelenting thick fabric cinched around your waist when you have like the hangover sweats. Uh Oh, that sounds great. Uh, Both this bedroom set and then later Veronica's bedroom set were built and staged in the gym of the high school where they filmed the movie. Hmm. Like they built these sets. So yeah, I'm, I'm just saying take note set designers of Teen Witch looking at you ceilingless classroom. Seriously. It can be done. Um, also, I love the detail that everything in this bedroom has red bows on it, like mm-hmm. all the way down to her stationary pages. Yeah. Probably an echo of her like scrunchie of power. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It also looks really Christmassy, which is weird, but it's yeah, yeah it's like a good detail. Um, okay. So Red Heather wakes up and sees Veronica and Jason standing at the foot of her bed. So please about Veronica's affection for regurgitation. Heather, I think last night we both said a lot of stuff we didn't mean. Did we? How the hell did you get in here? Um, Veronica knew you'd have a hangover, so, uh, I whipped this up for you. It's a family recipe. What'd you do, put a phlegm globber in it or something? I'm not gonna drink that piss. I knew this stuff would be too intense for her. <laughs> intense? Grow up. You think I'll drink it just because you call me chicken? Just give me the cup, jerk. she takes the mug and slams down the blue liquid because apparently her ego dulls her sense of sight and smell like it's bright blue it's got to smell so bad Uh (laughs) she dumb uh red heather immediately starts choking and gasps corn nuts and slams (laughs) face first into her glass table shattering it red heather is now dead heather (laughs) this is one of my favorite scenes because of how they mix the comedy and the horror Having corn nuts be your dying words, Uh that is hilarious. Um, But swan diving lips first into a sheet of glass, that is horrifying. Yes, I know. It's this whole, this whole scene is really absurd and done in a good way. Why do you think she said corn nuts? Am I I missing something? Okay. (laughs) I don't know. It's a terrible snack. It's terrible last words. Why was that on her mind? I have no idea. Is it because she's like regurgitating and it's like the strong, strong flavor of those barbecue corn nuts are coming back up? (laughs) It could be. I don't know. Listeners weigh in if you know why (laughs) these are her last words. Uh, So after she's she's fallen into the glass table, Veronica and JD are shocked. Oh my God. I can't believe it. I just killed my best friend. And your worst enemy. Same difference. 
They're freaking out trying to figure out how to avoid going to prison. <laughs> JD sees Cliff's notes for the bell jar by Sylvia Plath and gets an idea to stage this as a suicide. He could be using his IQ for so many better things. No kidding. <laughs> he puts stuff together like for a, a teenager shouldn't be able to, to put these. I know it's a movie, but I'm just saying. <laughs> he puts things together really quickly and comes up with these ideas. And just imagine what he could do for the yeah, world with that. I know. <laughs> Such a waste. Like just pivot his intentions. And yes. it could, like so much could get it done <laughs> with his time. <laughs> Um, so they craft a suicide note that basically says that the pressures of popularity were too much. JD suggests they end it with the line, uh, quote, I died knowing no one knew the real me. Veronica likes this line and asks if Jason has done this before. Mm. Back in the high school, Robert Dunder and a bunch of teachers are discussing <laughs> Red Heather's suicide. <laughs> and whether they should shut down the school or have a student teacher rap session. Um, the hippie teacher is wearing several casinos worth of so many dice <laughs> strung together as bracelets. It uh-huh. is so weird. They're so jangly and like yeah. <laughs> all it's over. It's so like not, I mean, dice is not in keeping with like her hippie aesthetic. It's very weird. Yeah. Maybe this is just like quirky. Yeah. Like it's a quirky. <laughs> Um, in the girls' locker room, Green Heather is going to town on a chicken drumstick. <laughs> Ew, don't eat that in the girls' locker room. I also, know. where'd you get it? Also, gross. <laughs> um, while Ye- Yellow Heather whines that they should get a whole week off to mourn dead Heather. Yellow Heather finds one of dead Heather's leftover swatch watches, and she says that Veronica, or she would probably want Veronica to have it, and it's blue! Mm-hmm. Uh, Veronica, uh, in case I didn't make it clear, blue is Veronica's colorway. That's her, <laughs> her color theme. Veronica, either overcome with grief or wanting to test the water resistance of this swatch, walks into the shower fully clothed and stands under the water in her cute morning mm. fit and flare dress, which is yes. black. Thank yeah. you for noticing this dress. It is so chic and simple. It's the dress of my dreams that I can never find. I know it fits her so well. It has like a scoop neck. It's flattering. It's like, I know these dresses are always too short on us because Mm -hmm. you and I are tall or they like flare at the wrong spot. Mm -hmm. But I guess when you're a tiny fairy like waif like Winona Ryder, these things fit you the way they're supposed to. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's who they're made for. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-huh. In class, some hippie dippy teacher, the one from the meeting earlier, Pulls out Dead Heather's suicide note and passes it around for the class to read so that they can see her humanity and vulnerability. Mm. Hey, teacher, get fired. Wow. Yeah, not I okay. Mean, so many <laughs> violations here. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, she encourages the students to share their feelings. In response, Veronica breaks into laughter and then has to cover it by pretending to cry. <laughs> <laughs> At JD's house, which is eventually, or, uh, evidently like half an evil villain's lair and half a home gym. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. This house That's is exactly so weird. Like. <laughs> <laughs> he and Veronica are watching a video featuring students sharing their thoughts and memories about dead Heather. JD remarks that now that she's dead, she's more popular than ever. JD's dad and his tracksuit come in and then jump on the treadmill to mosey along and broadcast <laughs> that he is, in fact, an evil construction mogul. There's some uncomfortable back and forth between Jason and his dad. They do that whole, like, 
Jason calls his dad son and his dad so calls weird. him dad. Yeah. I don't know why they put I that in there, but yeah. until Veronica makes up a, uh, an excuse to not stay for dinner, smart move <laughs> saying that her mom is making her favorite spaghetti with extra oregano on Veronica's veranda. Again, she and her parents are having an identical conversation to the previous one. Dad's an idiot. Dark horse prom date. She's got a motor. She's going to make it to dead Heather's funeral. Uh, okay, so at the funeral, we see Otho from Beetlejuice yeah. as a priest <laughs> denouncing the bad influence of the MTV video games on today's youth. What is an MTV video game? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just to be like, out of touch, yeah. out of touch. Um, we see a montage of the Heathers and then some other kids who kneel beside dead Heathers open casket. We hear their prayers, including this Jock Bros and Green Heathers. Jesus God in heaven... Why'd you have to kill such hot snatch? It's a joke, man. Jeez, people are so serious. Hail Mary, who aren't in heaven, pray for all the sinners so we don't get caught. Another joke, man. I prayed for the death of Heather Chandler many times, and I felt bad every time I did it, but I kept doing it anyway. Now I know you understood everything. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> Then we hear Veronica's, and she says that she didn't mean to kill her. She just wants her high school to be a nice place. Outside the church, Yellow Heather begs Veronica to put her relationship with JD on hold and fill in as a fourth on her double date tonight. Then a couple of geeks walk by the jock bros and step on their feet, I think, or run into them. Yeah. Uh, uh, when the jock bros confront them, <laughs> the geek says, hey, sit and spin while flipping him off, which <laughs> is so good. <laughs> The jocks wrestle them to the ground and spit more very homophobic language in their faces. Then Jason rides by on his hog and he locks eyes with one of the jocks and stares him down. (laughs) How does he not crash his motorcycle into something while he's doing that? Also, I mean, not that this matters, but Christian Slater looks so tiny on this motorcycle. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't sure if it was meant to be it because, you know, there are like those huge motorcycles. So I don't know if it was that or if it was just that he's so small. He's he's a tiny person, and then he's on this giant motorcycle in his giant duster, and yeah. he looks like a child. Like <laughs> nothing about this is intimidating, and yet it's supposed to be like yeah, like hardcore guitar. Like as he drives by and like stares him down, and it's like you look seven. <laughs> uh, Yellow Heather swears that their du- their double date will be very. Veronica agrees to go as long as it's not one of those dates where they get s faced and take them to a pasture to tip cows. Smash cut to the girls rolling their eyes in a pasture while the drunk jock bros are giggling like idiots approaching what is actually a steer, not a cow. (laughs) They push it over and it splashes mud all over the girls' faces. Then Yellow Heather and one of the guys, appropriately named Ram, (laughs) are getting down in the grass in a way that looks very, very Mm non-consensual. There's a lot of flailing and him holding her hands down. It's not great. Uh, A ways away, Veronica trudges up a hill to get away from the other drunk bro, who is named Kurt, and who is passed out in the grass. Then JD appears among the trees and asks what's going on. Uh, Red flag. Right? Why is he there there in the woods? Uh, Veronica explains that she was just doing a favor for Yellow Heather. He's backlit in blue light for Mm -hmm. Veronica. He takes her hand and says they should go get a slushie and they kiss. The next day at school, the yearbook staff is organizing a tribute yearbook spread for dead Heather. 
Veronica comes or Veronica comes in to get the new lunchtime poll. They ask her if she has any poems or mementos or anything of Heather's that they can include in the spread. Veronica says that the whole thing leaves a bad taste in her mouth. And then some girl named Courtney says, like last night, and then gleefully tells everyone the gossip that Kurt the jock is spreading that he and Veronica hooked up last night on their date. Did I say? Oh, yeah. Veronica. Okay. It sounded in my head like I said, Veronica. (laughs) And I was like, that's not her name. Um, Another boy in class comes to Veronica's defense, but then fills her in on the specifics of this rumor. Okay, now I rarely listen to Neanderthals like Kurt Kelly, but he said that he and Ram had a nice little sword fight in your mouth last night. You know what I mean? Hmm? Ew! Oh, gosh. That is so disgusting. These boys are the worst. My gosh! They are. (laughs) These boys need to have their mouths washed out with liquid hand soap. Seriously. Um, Next, we see Veronica talking on her blue phone in her blue bedroom. She's talking to Kurt in her best sexy bedroom voice. She tells him to meet her in the woods behind the school at dawn and bring his jock bro Ram. They want to make this rumor a reality. Jason is sitting across from her trying to stifle his laughter. After she hangs up, they're loading guns and she says that she doesn't understand why they have to craft another suicide note if they're just going to use blanks against these stupid bozos in the woods. Jason says they are not going to use blanks. Veronica is out on this plan, but then Jason breaks it down. All right. These are Ikluga bullets. My grandfather snared a shitload of them back in WW2. They're like tranquilizers, only they uh, break the surface of the skin enough to cause a little blood, but no real damage. So it looks like the person's been shot and killed, and really they're just lying there unconscious and bleeding? Right. See, we shoot Kurt and Ram, make it look like they shot each other, and by the time they regain consciousness, they'll be the laughing stock of the whole school. Definitely can't hear any of that Nicholson influence. (laughs) Uh, Veronica reads a fake note that she wrote to leave at the scene in which Kurt and Ram declare their love for each other. They also, uh, Veronica and JD, also plan to plant some, quote, homosexual artifacts (laughs) at the scene, (laughs) which include gay porn, chocolates, a Joan Crawford postcard, some mascara, and a bottle of mineral water, famously the gayest drink. (laughs) Jason argues that in the 80s in Ohio, if you don't have a brewski in your hand, you might as well be wearing a dress. I think it goes without saying that the scene has not aged well. (laughs) All right, Shannon, take us to their plan in the woods. All right, well... As Veronica waits in the woods for Ram and Kurt to show up, she slips a pistol into the back of her skirt's waistband. One thing of note, uh, it's a tiny little pistol compared to the humongous one that JD was flashing around her bedroom the night before. Mm -hmm. So is it supposed to be the same gun? Did props make a mistake? If not, where the heck did they get a second gun? Also, are we supposed to believe that the same bullets fit in this tiny gun and his giant gun? (laughs) Yeah, I'm just confused about why there's a second gun all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, One smaller thing of note, Ram and Kurt uh, come walking up from behind Veronica on a very wide, unobstructed footpath where they would have had a clear line of sight to where she was standing. So there's no way that they wouldn't have seen her put the gun into her waistband, but Mm -hmm. sure. Well... They also dumb. (laughs) (laughs) True. Uh, The boys are horny and giddy, and Ram asks if he could just whip it out, 
Veronica Blech. tells them, <laughs> I know, to go to the circles that she made in the clearing, one for each of them. And when they get to their circle, they should strip. Why is it necessary to have these circles? They're like three feet from where she's standing. This is very weird. Yeah, I tried to figure out like what the purpose is it. Yeah. I have no idea. I, I thought like, oh, is it to make it look like they were... I have no idea. I have no I idea. Know. <laughs> I know. I thought, is it to position them better for being shot by these other two? But that doesn't make sense. I just, I don't know. Yeah. It's weird. But the boys take off all their clothes. And Veronica says that they should both rip her clothes off on the count of three. So she counts one, two, and then JD pops out from behind a tree with his giant gun. Oh, there it is. <laughs> and says three and shoots Ram in the neck. <laughs> like... Wow, did he mean to do that? It was a crazy dead-on shot. Yeah. Um, Veronica, laughing, shoots at Kurt, but misses completely. Uh, Kurt runs full speed away while Veronica laughs. Okay, real quick. I may not be connecting dots here or something, but do we know why Kurt's leg is bandaged? Mm. Because if the actual actor is injured, then I give him insane credit for running up and downhill through the woods with a bum leg. It looked painful. <laughs> yeah. I just assumed that it was like a fake football injury. Um, oh, okay. But yeah, maybe he hurt himself during the scene. Running downhill is not safe. In <laughs> mm. like loose leaves and uh-huh. over branches. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, JD, on the other hand, is uh, seriously concerned that Kurt has gotten away and runs after him. Veronica senses JD's gravity and starts to feel hinky about the situation. JD, in his flowing duster, chases Kurt down like a dog, while Veronica kneels by Ram and pokes at him to see if he's alive. Uh, Kurt has run in a complete circle and comes upon Veronica and dead Ram. JD yells, Now! And acting on pure instinct, I guess, Veronica shoots at Kurt in the chest. Um, two cops smoking weed in a black and white park nearby hear the gunshots, and they come upon the scene that Veronica and JD have staged with all of the homosexual paraphernalia. Okay. And then one of the cops uses a pen to pick up the gun that Veronica put in Kurt's hand. You know how you do when you're trying to preserve murder scene right. evidence. <laughs> But then he uses his other ungloved hand to grab the gun off the pen. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So the cop Good copping. Who, yeah. <laughs> the cop who isn't busy contaminating evidence is chasing Veronica and JD through the woods incompetently because he's pretty wasted. This <laughs> cop slash actor runs in a way that I've never seen any human run before. And I love it. His arms look like baby hand arms. And he's just kind of like swinging them back and forth. I was cracking up. I don't know if this is a choice he made. I don't know, but it's good. I'll try to cut a gif of it for the visuals. Uh, Well, by the time he catches up with them, they've reached their car, stripped off their shirts, and they're pretending to make out. The cop thinks that he's made a mistake, so he runs back to his partner at the murder scene, where the less wasted but still incompetent cop pronounces it a double suicide. Just like that, no forensics or investigations necessary. Right. (laughs) Uh, And we get this sensitive exchange. Listen up. We realized we could never reveal our forbidden love to an uncaring and ununderstanding world. Jesus H. Christ. The quarterback buggering the linebacker. What a waste. Oh, the humanity. <laughs> okay. 
Homophobia notwithstanding, buggering will never not be a funny term for sex. I know. It's <laughs> such a good one. Why don't we use it more? <laughs> I don't know. But that's going to go in the uh, the old mental Rolodex, though. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Veronica and JD have spent the morning sleeping off the double murder in her car in the school parking lot. They wake up and have cigarettes for breakfast while discussing the morning's events and yelling at each other. Mm, morning breath and cigarette breath. That's oh, a good seriously. combo. <laughs> How is that the first thing you put in your mouth? Yeah. Well, Veronica purposely burns her hand with the car's cigarette lighter as a form of punishment to yeah. see if she's dreaming. I don't know. It's... I know. And then JD lights his cigarette with her singed flesh. Like, this <laughs> wouldn't work, right? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you just put skin all over that cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> That's all okay. that accomplishes. <laughs> um, the leftover Heathers are walking through the parking lot when they see Veronica and JD uh, yelling at each other in the car. And then this happens. <laughs> Young love. Did you hear? School's canceled today because Kurt and Ram killed themselves in a repressed homosexual suicide pact. No way! <laughs> so fast, so concise. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh my gosh. JD tells Veronica that Kurt and Ram had nothing to offer the school but date rapes and AIDS jokes. And as true as that statement is, it's sort of feeling like a not asking for it PSA. But instead of living up to her heart of gold personality and turning JD into the police, Veronica agrees. And then jokes about making an ice run before the funeral, I guess, for her burned hand. Yeah. This town can sure throw together a fabulous funeral fast because suddenly we're at Ram and Kurt's double wake. Dude, the- seriously, this thing is like <laughs> decked out. <laughs> They're in like suits and red ties. They're laid out with their football helmets on. A lot of Ver- flowers, flowers yeah. everywhere. <laughs> it's so like full on fancy funeral. Mm-hmm. Uh, Veronica looks amazing in another great morning dress. Um, Kurt's dad is eulogizing Kurt in the way that only the dad of a Kurt could. <laughs> <laughs> My son's a homosexual, and I love him. I love my dead gay son. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. JD makes an ill-timed joke in Veronica's ear and the two giggle, causing what I'm assuming is Kurt's baby sister to turn around and look at them with the most glycerin tears you've ever seen. Oh my gosh. Streaming down her face into her mouth. Uh, But Veronica is instantly sobered. Yeah, this, it's so, she's so not crying. She's the furthest from crying. (laughs) (laughs) She's more annoyed with uh-huh. <laughs> glycerin on her face yeah yeah that night veronica pops in her hellishly hipster monocle to write a new entry in her diary dear diary my teen angst bullshit has a body count the most popular people in school are dead everybody's sad but it's a weird kind of sad suicide gave heather depth kurt a soul Ram a brain. I don't know what it's given me, but I've got no control over myself when I'm with JD. Are we going to prom or to hell? The next morning, the teachers gather in the lounge to chain smoke and plan a memorial for Kurt and Ram. 
Pauline, the hippiest teacher, gets her wish when the exhausted principal gives her carte blanche to do whatever hippie bullcrap she wants to do. <laughs> she immediately takes her giantest bullhorn to the cafeteria, where she whores out the entire student body to the local news channel. As Pauline is forcing all the students to hold hands, Heather Duke pushes forward to be interviewed. Uh, Martha Dump Truck ducks under a table to hide, and JD shows up to observe the media circus. After school at JD's house, he's extolling the merits of, quote, their way, meaning his and Veronica's, of scaring people into not being assholes. Which I don't get, because said assholes are now dead, so how does that help those particular assholes become better people? And also, everyone thinks they committed suicide, so how does that scare other people into being better people? I'm starting to think JD is just a sociopath. Yeah. All of that is accurate. (laughs) Yes. Also, why does his furniture look like it's from a live action Flintstones movie? I don't understand. It all looks like rocks. What? What? Oh my gosh, it totally does. Something registered as being off about his house. And maybe that was it because I couldn't put my finger on it. Also Mm -hmm. that it's like you said, half a home gym. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, but his stereo is like covered in concrete, fake rock-looking thing, and I'm like, I don't understand. I don't get it. Yeah, 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 like a weird veneer. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, JD's dad comes home, and after some more weird banter, where JD pretends he's the dad and dad pretends he's the son, hey, maybe this is part of the problem. (laughs) Dad plays a video cassette recording for the teens of a building that his construction company blew up earlier that day. As it plays, he talks hornily about what kinds of explosives Mm. he used and where. JD looks on enraptured. Veronica is irritated with the whole display, and then this little piece of the puzzle falls into place. Like my mother, they said her death was an accident, but uh, she knew what she was doing. She walked into the building two minutes before my dad blew the place up. She waved at me, and then, boom. Big Fun's Teenage Suicide comes on the radio, and JD cranks the volume before shooting the stereo in the face with his (laughs) elephant-sized gun. (laughs) Veronica yells, that's it, we're breaking up. Uh, Her shoes in this scene are fire, so good Mm -hmm. that I had to rewind twice. They're like booty Oxfords. They almost look like paddock boots. Does anyone know where I can get these? Yeah, same. I also rewound to check them out. <laughs> so it was funny <laughs> that you that I saw that in your notes because I was like, what are these shoes? Yeah. Um, if someone has a source on these shoes, please DM us post haste. I would love to have them. They're so good. Get them. They're really, really cute. They have a yeah. little heel. They're lace up. Just adorable. I know. I was even thinking, like, could we get existing boots and, like, paint them, paint them. and do something? <laughs> yeah, to make them look like this. Yeah, maybe. We'll figure it out. <clears throat> maybe not me, but maybe somebody who can paint a straight line. Hey, Christmas is coming. We can make this happen. <laughs> All right. Christmas craft idea. All right. JD's interpersonal sk- skills clearly need work because he grabs Veronica and starts making out all over her face. <laughs> she squirms out of his grip and tells him how it is. And to think there was a time when I actually thought you were cool. Man, if you can't deal with me now, then just stay home and shoot your TV. Blow up a couple toasters or something. 
Just don't come to school and don't mess with me. JD laughs and says she'll be back. The next day at school, he finds Heather Duke and slides her a photo of herself and Martha dump truck as little girls. Oh my gosh, Shannon Doherty looks amazing in this scene. Her hair, her jacket, she's like yeah. baby dynasty. Like oh. she has such big hair and such yeah. like a V-shaped jacket on. It's, oh my gosh, she looks yeah. great. She has totally come alive since her like mourning period mm-hmm. for Red Heather. Yeah, she's gorgeous and glowing and like all vaseline and backlit somehow. Yeah, it's and cool. then her hair is just like magic. It's so yeah. wide and big yeah. and like a mane. It's so good. <laughs> Gorgeous. It's easy to see why they plucked her out of this movie and gave yes. her her own series. Yep. <clears throat> JD's blackmailing Heather for her strength, he says. He wants her to take Heather Chandler's place in the food chain in exchange for a favor that he'll ask of her. Once she does the favor, she'll get the negatives of the photo. To help her get started on her path to greatness, he gives her a gift. The gift is Heather Chandler's red scrunchie, which Heather, too, immediately wraps around her own hair. The biggest scrunchie that ever was. Mega scrunchie. (laughs) (laughs) It is so big. It Uh even has extra flair hanging off the bottom, like Uh if it was the ends of a really wide ribbon. (laughs) So much fabric in one little hair band or hair tie. (laughs) She doesn't even, like, wrap it. She just puts it on her hair, too. Yeah. So it's, like, super full. Yeah. (laughs) Then out in the school hall, she smugly shows off the scrunchie to Veronica, who she finds looking through Heather Chandler's locker. Veronica is disgusted. Veronica goes home and calls up Betty Finn to come play croquet, a band-aid on a crack in the dam. Veronica's heart of gold is gleaming once again when, during their game of croquet, she decides to take an extra shot instead of sending Betty's ball flying. Betty changes Veronica's mind, though, by saying this. Well, you're not just going to go for those two shots. I mean, uh, go ahead, knock me out. It's the only way to win. It's not my style. Nice guys finish last. I should know. So sad. So, as Veronica sends Betty's ball off the lawn, the leftover Heathers show up. Betty takes off, and Heather Duke claims the red ball for her own. Martha Dumtruck is sitting in the bleachers at the school wearing a big fun shirt. She spills her soda all over her shirt. Bad days, am I right? This is so relatable. (laughs) I know. (laughs) This is just like the last straw. Yes. Veronica's parents are watching special news coverage that uh, Pauline Fleming, the hippie teacher, put together. We hear Pauline voice over this tone-deaf line as we watch Martha with a suicide note pinned to her shirt walk into traffic. Before a teenager decides to kill himself, there are certain facts that he should know. After all, this is a decision that affects all of us. And there's only one chance to get it right. Uh, This is truly sad. I love Martha. (laughs) I know. This is one of those things like the swan dive into the glass coffee table that's Mm -hmm. like true horror, you know? Yeah. Um, Veronica turns off the TV and complains loudly to her parents that all teenagers want is to not be patronized and to be treated like human beings. In response, her mom delivers the sickest burn of all. (laughs) (laughs) Treated like human beings? 
Is that what you said, little Miss Voice of a Generation? Just how do you think adults act with other adults? You think it's all just a game of doubles tennis? When teenagers complain that they want to be treated like human beings, it's usually because they are being treated like human beings. Oh, freaking burn. Burn. Love burn. it. Burn. <laughs> <laughs> you burn. <laughs> Veronica does a lot of huffing and puffing and sighing and eye rolling during her mother's stump speech. Uh, then Heather Duke walks into the house and says that it just came over the radio. Southern. <laughs> you couldn't do another take of that? We're in Ohio. Uh, that Martha dump truck. <laughs> uh, she says Martha dump truck belly flopped in front of a car and tried to kill herself, but she, quote, failed miserably trying to imitate the popular kids. This is like also really sad knowing what we just found out that they were childhood friends. Yeah. Like it's an extra layer of horrificness on top of this that she's like gloating and having fun over the fact that she did this. Oh, so sad. Gross. Veronica slaps her in the face, um, but the two get over their dispute quick enough to tune in to local radio show Hot Probs (laughs) and hear this call. Please, Shannon, radio. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Heather. No, it's... It's not Heather. No, it's... It's Madonna. Jeez, no, not that. Hey, babe. I need a name. My name is Tweety. Tweety? Ooh, Tweet. God has cursed me, I think. Last guy I had sex with killed himself the next day. Failing math. My whole life is a mess. I was supposed to be captain of the cheerleading team. Man, she knows we listen to this show. Holy shit, we'll crucify her. Also for any SoCal locals, Hot Probs (laughs) was based on (laughs) K-Rock's Love Line. And this DJ was Loveline's actual host at the time. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, also, Yellow Heather's bedside duck lamp. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> also, I could never have a bird in my bedroom. Oh, my gosh. Continue. <laughs> uh, through expositional voiceover at the school, we find out that Heather Duke did indeed tell everyone about Heather McNamara's radio call. <laughs> Heather McNamara runs out of the classroom to the bathroom where she stuffs her mouth full of pills and is about to wash them down with water when Veronica comes in and does what every dog owner since the beginning <laughs> of time has had to do at least once because it's a total what's in your mouth situation. <laughs> <laughs> Veronica squeezes Heather's cheeks and pills spill out all over the floor. She tells Heather that she's throwing her life away to become a statistic. They have a sweet moment on the floor of the girls' bathroom. Um, Heather says she wants to go shopping and puts her head on Veronica's shoulder. It's cute. Mm-hmm. Heather Duke is using a Bunsen burner to destroy a manila envelope containing the damaging yet adorable photos and negatives of her and Martha. <clears throat> JD reveals that his favor is that Heather has to get everyone in the school to sign a petition to get Big Fun to play Westerberg's prom. Heather is all too happy to oblige and tosses her copy of Moby Dick to JD as she leaves the room since she won't be needing it anymore. Because if you're popular, you don't need to be smart. See? Mm-hmm. We see Heather in a window seat filled with sun, basking in the glow of being number one Heather. 
No teen movie worth its salt would dare to not have a montage, so we get ours now. Heather Duke in various uh, beautiful outfits as she transforms her look to suit whichever social group she's trying to get to sign the petition. I totally did not catch that detail. Oh, really? I'm so glad you said that. Yeah, because I went back and watched it. And I was like, oh, she totally does. Yeah, I think where I caught on was where she's wearing that like weird drum major Beyonce concert <laughs> jacket. Actually, probably more like a, the Janet Jackson Rhythm Nation jacket. <laughs> Um, yep. And I was just like, why would she be wearing that? And I realized, oh, she's talking to nerds. They're probably in band. I get it. Yeah. And then the one where she's talking to like, I, I, I don't remember if it's like the burnouts or like the yeah. activists, but she's wearing like a green flak jacket yep. type of thing. I love that outfit. When I yeah. saw it, I was like, ooh, I want that outfit. <laughs> I know. She's got some really good getups going on here. Uh, so it turns out that she's also using fake petitions to get everyone to sign. Uh, when Veronica confronts her, Heather says it was JD's idea and calls Veronica jealous, to which Veronica responds. Heather, why can't you just be a friend? Why are you such a mega bitch? Because I can be. Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Do you think, I mean, do you really think if Betty Finn's fairy godmother made her cool, she would still hang out with her dweebet friends? <laughs> no way, Veronica. Uh-uh. J.D. appears to a sulking Veronica, who says she's thinking of slitting Heather's wrists and making it look like a suicide. J.D. creepily and readily says he'd be up for that. He's already started underlining meaningful passages in her copy of Moby Dick. He tells Veronica he knew she'd be back and hugs her tightly from behind. Veronica elbows him in the gut and tells him it's over and that he should grow up. J.D. doesn't get it. He thought they were on the same page. He's put out. In fact, he's so put out by Veronica's refusal to play his game that he outs her to her parents as suicidal. Not cool. <laughs> this is rough. So her mom hands her a note in an envelope that JD left for her. And she opens it and it reads, quote, recognize the handwriting in her handwriting. Okay, yeah, I found this super confusing because I didn't think it looked like her handwriting. Yeah. Which we've seen and looks super big yeah. and chaotic in her diary. But is it the thing that, like, she can kind of copy other people's handwriting and that's why people get her to write notes? I don't know. I just assume that maybe the her crazy journaling was, like, a different kind of handwriting and maybe this was hmm. her real handwriting. Hmm. Because it seems like a running thing throughout the movie that she, like right. Red Heather gets her to write a note and then JD keeps getting to write her, yeah. getting her to write these notes because she can like make yeah, it look she, like they wrote yeah, it. She can write in other people's handwriting. Yeah. So he must have been able to pick up hers somehow. I yeah. Know. <laughs> That's why when I, when I saw that, I was like, but I don't see what the writing looks like. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Veronica goes to her room where she's met by a Barbie doll wearing a big fun shirt hanging from a noose. She curls up on her bed while outside a sullen JD smokes a cigarette and stares up at her window. But stalking her outside her house wasn't good enough for JD, so he comes into her room, presumably through her window, though we don't see it, and mm -hmm. crawls up to her uh, to the side of her bed reciting lines from Moby Dick. I think originally in the script, this was supposed to be Catcher in the Rye, but they like couldn't get the rights oh, to use it or something. Uh, and I'm glad because honestly, enough with Catcher in the Rye. <laughs> yeah, true. But that would have made more sense than Moby Dick. Totally. <laughs> I was trying yes. to think like, 
I read Moby Dick, but so, so long ago. And I was trying to think, what is the, what, what's the thing the here? The tie-in? With, what, what is it? I said like the tie-in between yeah, Moby Dick like, and the theme of this movie. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's not really about, I mean, I guess it is about power, his power over the whale, but it it just doesn't seem to fit the narrative. Mm-hmm. so I get it yeah. that that would have been a way better book but yeah I, under- <laughs> I understand like enough with that one already yeah you got it <laughs> let's let's use something more unsung mm-hmm. um okay so Veronica is completely creeped out uh but she finally has JD's number get off of my bed you fucking psycho you're a rebel do you actually think you're a rebel you're not a rebel you're fucking psychotic. You say tomato, I say tomato. You say radio, I say radio. <laughs> <laughs> JD pulls Veronica into a kitchen. So this is like a super smash cut, very disorienting. So it's like, whose kitchen? Where are we? He mm-hmm. grabs a huge knife and Veronica says the knife is filthy and Heather would never use a dirty knife to slit her wrists. Then she says there's no way she's writing a suicide note in Heather's handwriting. And JD says nobody's going to care about exact handwriting. Grabs Veronica's hand, puts a pen in it, and scrawls, life sucks on a sticky note. Now we found out, find out they are in Heather's house, um, by the way, yelling at each other and making a ton of noise. Uh, because we see a sleeping Heather in a room down the hall. Yeah, and like the only way I figured that figured it out that this was her house is that there's a variety of green kitchen yeah. accessories in the background, but not nearly as much as at Red Heather's where like yeah. everything was red. It's way more subtle, and it seems yeah. like it's nighttime, and it seems like there's a subtle blue light glowing too. Mm-hmm. It was really confusing. Um, so JD runs into the room where sleeping Heather is and locks the door behind him. Veronica tries to get in and is pounding on the door as we cut to another funeral scene. Heather Dukes. Everyone at the funeral is wearing 3D glasses while Otho Preacher is talking about how Heather underlined the word Eskimo in her copy of Moby Dick. The scene is surreal and dreamlike. Everyone's also wearing all white with black armbands, so it's a very like coordinated funeral. Mm-hmm. Uh, Veronica comes in at the back as an observer and is met by Heather Chandler, Red Heather, Dead Heather, who remarks that the turnout is weak, uh, her afterlife is so boring, and she made Veronica's favorite spaghetti with extra oregano. As Heather shoves Veronica's face into a pot of spaghetti, Veronica awakens to her mother calling her for dinner. It was all a dream! Oh my goodness. And Red Heather's outfit here see, is like some hot topic chic yeah. business. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> super, super hot topic y. Like a walking MySpace profile. It's a lot of, you know, like extra buckles and a corset and stuff. I also love that the scene between them is lit in red and blue light to represent both of them. That was really cool. Yeah. The scene actually felt very Beetlejuicy to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah. Veronica monocles up to make her (laughs) final diary entry. No one can stop JD. Not the FBI, the CIA, or the PTA. He once told me that the extreme always makes an impression. Well, now it's my turn. Let's see how the son of a bitch reacts to a suicide he didn't perform himself. During the voiceover, uh, JD is outside of Veronica's house. He spins the chamber on his gun and then puts it in his pocket. He climbs the ladder to Veronica's window. 
and as he comes into her room, he sees her hanging from a noose. I can't believe he did it. I was teasing. I loved you. Sure, I was, I was coming up here to kill you. First, I was gonna try and get you back with my amazing petition. It's a shame you can't see what our uh, fellow students really signed. All right, listen. We students of Westerberg High will die. Today, our burning bodies will be the ultimate protest to a society that degrades us. Fuck you all. <laughs> oh my gosh, he got the entire school to side a suicide pact. Oh Pretty no. sneaky, sis. Mm-hmm. After JD leaves, Veronica's parents are getting tired of waiting for her to come down to dinner, and her mom comes upstairs and finds her still hanging there. <laughs> she immediately stammers that she should have let Veronica take that mall job when Veronica's head pops up alive, Veronica reaches up and somehow unties the bed sheet that's holding her up. And then she flops down on the bed and asks her mom why she's so tense. <laughs> her mother should have immediately spanked her bottom red, but we don't get that. We don't get any reaction at all because the scene cuts to psycho JD fashioning sticks of dynamite to wires. Oh my gosh. <sighs> the next morning at school, Veronica sees JD come in with a canvas bag he goes into the bathroom and pulls out all his homemade Acme dynamite bundles, <laughs> just so we can see them, I guess. Because he doesn't do anything with them in there. He just pulls them out and looks at them. He's like, these are so neat. Look at how well <laughs> I did this. <laughs> just like on TV. <laughs> Everyone has gone to class and the halls are empty as Veronica looks around for JD. We see him place a bunch of bundles of dynamite under the bleachers and setting the timers. Then he heads to the boiler room, but Veronica hasn't found him yet. The bell rings. Students start milling around. Veronica still has not found JD. Everyone's heading to the pep rally when Veronica stops some Rodney to ask him what's under the gym. He tells her it's the boiler room. Why? Why does he say it so creepily? <laughs> what is this line delivery choice? He says it like he's telling her that under the gym there's like a morgue or a sex dungeon. He like... Takes a long beat and smiles and waggles his eyebrows. And he's like, the boiler yeah. room. And it's like, what? <laughs> it's like, you know, another case of a nerd making a meal out of his mm -hmm. 30 seconds or 20 seconds on film. Yeah. So Veronica heads to the boiler room. The boiler room. Sexy. Where she finds JD <laughs> goofing around with some stuff in his bag. He doesn't notice her until she asks to see his hall pass, which I thought was funny. Uh, and when he looks up, she's pointing his own mega gun at him. What? How? Where? Mm -hmm. And when? Did How did she get this gun? How? <laughs> yeah. Did he drop it? I don't know. I guess who cares? But anyway, she mm -hmm. has his gun. He says he knew that the noose was too loose. <laughs> Veronica's nervous and tells him to put his hands on his head. JD easily just smacks the gun out of her hands smashes her head against the wall and then goes to finish setting his bombs upstairs the students are chanting and having a grand old time at the pep rally veronica comes to and sneaks up on jd with a fire extinguisher she hits him with it but not hard enough they fight he kisses her 
She knees him in the balls. She finds the dropped gun, um, but he makes a run for it. Cheerleaders Is this where he are... like crashes through all those metal buckets? Yeah. <laughs> like a Batman villain? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he it's almost like he purposely knocks them all over on his way through. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, cheerleaders are cartwheeling and the crowd is coming to a fevered pitch as the bomb clock counts down the last minute. Veronica finds JD and while she's holding the gun on him, they have this exchange. You think just because you started this thing, you can end it? I'll kill you. I'll fucking kill you. I swear to God. How do I turn off the goddamn bomb, asshole? Fuck you! She shoots his middle finger off, (laughs) which my grandma would say serves him right, and Mm -hmm. asks him again how to stop the bomb. He says he's killing everyone in school because no one loves him. Seriously, people are going to look at the ashes of Westerberg and say, now there is a school that self-destructed not because society didn't care, but because the school was society. It's pretty deep, huh? Which red button? Press the middle up to turn it off. That's what you really want. You know what I want, babe? What? Cool guys like you out of my life. Turns out JD jammed his knife into the timer as he was falling from the gunshots. The timer blinks steadily at four seconds remaining. Veronica leaves the boiler room, smiles at the sound of the chanting pep ralliers. She walks out the doors of the school and down the stairs. But wait! Out of the doors behind her comes JD. He's a little worse for the wear and he tells her he's impressed. She has power he didn't think she had. Then he opens his duster to reveal that he's wrapped with more dynamite and another timer. He sets the timer to 45 seconds and says this. Pretend I did blow up the school. All the schools. Now that you're dead, what are you going to do with your life? Veronica smiles wryly, pulls a cigarette out of her pocket, puts it in her mouth. JD stretches his arms out as the timer beeps. It's stuck again on 15 seconds. He hits it, jarring it back into countdown mode. He stretches his arms out like Jesus on the cross, and the camera pans up from him, and we see Veronica standing on the school stairs in front of him. We cut back to the pep rally as the bomb goes off, and then we're back outside in a haze of thick smoke. As the smoke clears, Veronica stands, smoking a now-lit cigarette, (laughs) completely covered in ash and char. She turns and jogs back up the stairs into the school. In the crowded hallway, she meets Heather Duke, and we get these superb last lines. Veronica, you look like hell. Yeah, I just got back. Veronica grabs the red scrunchie out of Heather's hair and puts it in her own, then kisses Heather on the cheek. Then old heart of gold Veronica sees Martha on her rascal scooter (laughs) and asks her if she wants to hang out and watch movies on prom night. Martha says she'd like that, and they walk slash scooter off into the sunset. Oh, I like this too! (laughs) Martha does like a little loop-de-loop around Veronica on her scooter. 
I hope they invite Betty Thin. This sounds like a fun evening. Yeah, way better than prom, guys. Yeah, and way better than hanging out with the Heathers. Mm -hmm. Sounds like a good time. (laughs) Wow, we did it. We did did it. it. The most requested movie. But that's not all, listeners. Join us next week for our last episode because we are going out with a bang. Our final episode will cover Dirty Dancing. Yes. She's like the wind. (laughs) (laughs) You can find it streaming on HBO or HBO Max. It's also rentable everywhere for $3.99, although the best price that I found was on Redbox for $1.99. So check that out. Oh, I cannot wait to talk about this movie. Did Baby do the right thing getting her dad involved? How old even is Johnny Castle anyway? (laughs) We'll discuss it all next week. I can't wait. Bye. Bye. Join us each week for a new episode of So Five Minutes Ago. Check out our Instagram at So Five Minutes Ago Pod with the number five to see visuals and clips from the show. You can also get in touch with us at So Five Minutes Ago Pod at gmail.com. And please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get podcasts. Special thanks to Dave Quiggle for creating our podcast music. Talk to you all next week. Five minutes ago.